Today on The Tapping Show, Vivek invites a rally protester inside and gets 1.6 million views in a mere eight hours. Bud Light River tweet gets ratioed and shows 89.8% of people still prefer anything but Bud Light. Chris Christie hope tweet is, inspires many of the Trump fans. Disney poll shows that they are alienating more and more of their customers. Lucid loses $338,000 per vehicle sold. Rivian stock tanks 22.88% in a single day, while GM stock hits a three-year low, and MGM Cybersecurity Institute comes in at a cost of around $100 million. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, for the month of October, we're giving away a free 37mm AR-15 player launcher. With every 37k purchase, go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn a little bit more. Lastly, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you can click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Lucid losing $338,000 per EV sold, which is quite a pretty piece of, that's, that's quite a bit of chunk of change down the drain. And this is coming after last week, we actually reported that Rivian was losing about $33,000 per EV sold which goes to show you the huge, huge astronomical upfront cost when it comes to pretty much any automotive company that you're starting from scratch, especially EV, since it's basically a tech company with all the software demanded, all the technology you're putting into those things. There's quite a, quite a bit more variables put into that. Now, Lucid, which is according to Bloomberg Intelligence estimates to be burning through 338K per vehicle, it makes this year. They said in August they still expect to produce about 10,000 cars in 2023, and analyst average 2023 sales estimates for the firm, though, did nearly sink by 50% over the past six months. Now, other analysts say, quote, Lucid is well below the, below the pace needed to hit even 10,000 cars this year, and that's why they continue to bleed money, unquote. This is coming from Jerry Brockman, Chief Investment Officer at First American Trust. Now, it's also no surprise that they have some big backing behind them because they kind of need it. When another analyst noted that, quote, auto startups are very capital intensive, which is why Lucid and Rivian have deep pocketed backers, such as Saudi Arabia's public investment fund for Lucid and Amazon.com for Rivian. Now, it's also kind of tells you why Lucid might be opening up their first plant in the world outside of the United States. This is no coincidence it's in Saudi Arabia. It's because they're footing the bill for darn near everything to keep the company afloat. And again, the Lucid, Sapphire, Banana Falcon, whatever they call the top trend line. Again, I'm a gearhead, an automotive enthusiast, so my interest when there are only two pedals on a vehicle and not three precipitously drops dramatically. But nevertheless, the Lucid, Sapphire, Banana, the top, top line is like $289,000. And to me, one of the biggest detriments to that is they all look the same. In terms of, if you look at the whole Lucid lineup of all of the Lucid Airs and all the things that they make, if you're not an automotive enthusiast, if you're not an EV enthusiast, which is a bizarre thing to think of, that is a group of people, but it is, there's 25 of them apparently, but they all look about the same, which I think kind of hurts their sales value. And if, another reason I would never buy one, but it's just not 
doesn't really have the greatest demand behind it. If you look at something like the Chevy SS in the United States, that was, well, it's a rebadged Holden SS from Australia. But one of the reasons it failed in the United States is marketing. It looked very similar to the Chevy Malibu and only a couple decades, a fair small handful of people that really decade really knew what it was, which, I mean, bang for your buck, actually not a great comparison. The Chevy SS was a pretty awesome bang for your buck. You got a V8 and a stick shift, Brembo brakes. I mean, that was a pretty darn, I was about to say American muscle. I guess it's more Australian muscle. Nevertheless, had an American badge slapped onto it. But it'll be interesting to see Lucid is bleeding through all this capital, but they basically seemingly have the endless money pit. Well, what do you call it? Scrooge McDuck, not a money pit. That implies they're losing money, although they are. They have seemingly endless funds from Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia, if you look at the country, what the leadership wants to do, they very much want to transition off of being known as an oil empire, which they are. That's where they got a majority of their wealth. But they've been talking with several tech companies trying to, their vision for the country is to try to have it be a tech hub and try to be more innovative. So they're certainly willing to invest more and they want to be an EV leader. That's one of the reasons they invested so much into Lucid to begin with. Now, it'll be interesting to see if you can basically print money for a living with oil production, you know, rudimentary speaking, they have quite a large supply. Will they ever care about the mounting cost for Lucid for them to actually get to that point where they will make a profit eventually in theory? Maybe. And then out of curiosity, would you ever buy Lucid? And I believe they start about 90,000, then they go up to like 249,000. Of course, you have to pay sales tax to the government. So that's another 8.25% sales tax depending on where you live. And then of course, all those fun fees add up as well. But would you ever spend six figures on a Lucid? Which in terms of company stability, Tesla took them years to get to, but they are profitable now. And Tesla has a greater infrastructure in terms of support, service centers, charging stations, what have you. Lucid, in terms of EVs is, I, I would argue, much more the underdog as they still attempt to try to get to that profitability. So let me in the comments, does this affect your opinion of the company, even though they're losing $338,000 per EV sold? Or will you still buy one anyway? It'll be interesting, anecdotally you know, speaking, I went to, I was gonna say, it's not such a displeasure, I really don't enjoy malls or shopping, but I did walk past some strip malls when I was going to a lunch meeting with, for a customer, and I act, interestingly enough, in this higher end neighborhood, they have those little feature stores where they don't legally sell the car, but they have like the showroom for Tesla and then a couple doors down was Lucid. And interestingly enough, there were a couple people looking at the Lucid store, although <laughs> I had to do almost a double take just because I thought it was so boring and rudimentary when I saw the Lucid vehicle actually parked on the street, parked next to things like, you know, Porsches, Lamborghinis, it's a very nice neighborhood. I certainly stand out with my Honda. But it's one of those fascinating things where, oh, to me, the styling and the just design Lucid just, I would say, leaves much to be desired. And yes, this is coming from someone who drives a Honda, Honda Civic with a stick shift. I would argue my car is better, but that's just me. Just my three cents. Used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation. Gotta make it three. Should be four, but just my three cents today. Other interesting business news, you have Rivian stock crashing 22.88%. In one day. That is an impressive amount of ineptitudes for a publicly traded company. It usually have to try to be that bad or to fail that hard. That is terrible. 
Now, this is coming after a couple days earlier. Last week, we were, it was actually announced, oh yeah, they're losing $33,000 per Rivian sold. Which, again, for a lot of startups, especially automotive, very capital intensive. You have not just the software development teams, you have the assembly lines. Understand, there's a huge upfront investment for automotive companies especially. So I'm not too surprised they're losing that much money per vehicle. Still not as bad as Lucid losing $338,000 per EV sold. Now, it looks like the stock actually went down last week to $18.27 per share, which, yeah, that's that's pretty bad considering where they came from. And the other reason I do not give financial advice, and I always tell people, if you're entrepreneurial inclined, one of the best bets you can make in life, just bet on yourself. Start a business, start a side hustle. You learn a lot about yourself and you might even have some fun and might be able to prosper as well. Needless to say, I'm glad I did not invest my funds into Lucid when they had their IPO or Rivian when they had their IPO. I mean, with Rivian, unfortunately, I feel bad for a couple of friends who did invest in them because Rivian, aesthetically speaking, their truck is very uniquely designed. And although I would never own it because it only has two pedals, which why would you ever want a boring life like that? Everything should have three pedals. It should always be manual. You pay more attention. You have more fun. But nevertheless, I know some people want to acquiesce to technology and EVs. But aesthetically speaking, it does look very unique. And for what it is, I can appreciate the styling of it. It's It, it turns head. I mean, it really, it, it'll make you turn your head and look twice. And that got a lot of people excited. I know a lot of my friends actually placed pre-orders for that vehicle just because that Again, brilliant marketing, even though I might not agree with the product. Brilliant marketing where they have a truck where it does like the whole 360 because it has all the independent motors. That got a lot of people excited when they first had their IPO and they first getting people you know, interested. But looking at their IPO, they IPO'd at about $129.95 per share. So, and again, the price stock fluctuates, shoot, every second. So apologize if there's small inaccuracies based on pennies or even a couple of dollars as we go through this topic. As of right now, and as I'm reporting this, they had their IPO at, you know, $129.95 per share on November 12th, 2021. Their share value, the price per share has lost 85.44% of its value. Just erased. It's gone. Wow. I'm certainly, per I'm glad I did not invest in that. Although, I was going to say, you could probably debate how much of an investment I've gotten on the Topping Technologies laser engraved Porsche lighters we gave out at events. But nevertheless, still a better investment. In terms of their stock, you know, that's, you know, whole lifetime. In terms of the one month stock trend, they're down about 18%. It looks like the six month trend for Rivian is still up 27.75%. So it's not like they're going out of business. It's not that detrimental yet. It's certainly concerning if you own the stock. It's definitely not great news. And they don't even have the audacity. They have the audacity. They don't even pay you dividends. There's not a lot of incentive to keep it unless you like that long-term gambling. Now, one of the reasons that the stock just precipitously dropped to such a dramatic amount of double digits was because they actually released news that they're going to be raising $1.5 billion in convertible notes. And it makes sense. They have to. They're burning through cash. And right now... It's not the best time to get a loan. The U.S. economy has been propped up by cheap cash for years under many presidents, many people in power. The Federal Reserve, uh, perhaps a more appropriate, another topic for another time, 
but many businesses benefited from having basically 0% interest rates. Tech companies especially, and you see this in Silicon Valley, a lot of those companies, social media companies, they used to all be measured by how many users do you have. Now, the huge pivot is how profitable are you? How much of a profit do you really make? Which for years, they didn't really ask that question, no one really cared. So there's a really big shift in investing and just the thought and the whole frame of the situation. Now, I believe this is the first time we've actually discussed convertible notes on the show. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you some good old fashioned, just Google definitions, or more accurately, brave definitions. Now, they say that in finance, a convertible bond, convertible note, or convertible debt is a type of bond that the holder can convert into a, into a specified number of shares of common stock in the issuing company or cash of equivalent value. It is a hybrid security with debt and equity-like feature. The downside is convertible notes have the potential to be dilutive and dilute earnings per share when they are converted into shares. Moreover, conversion by large note holders can lead to a shift in voting rights and control of the company to those new shareholders, unquote. So, rudimentally speaking, when the stock is diluted, one of the reasons I, if you, talk, you look at the Shark Tank, great show, they talk about, you know, are you really, are you sad you weren't able to invest in Ring? The Ring camera is a, a billion dollar idea. Amazon bought it for a billion dollars. Didn't you lose out? And a lot of them bring up the point of, well, not really, because everyone who invests in the company, their shares were heavily diluted. Because, again, that was a very capital intensive investment for Ring to be successful. And they had to keep raising money again and again and again, taking in more money, taking in more investors. And the percentage that you own, your shares and how much you have, it became more and more diluted. So it was worth less and less and less. So that was the downside of that situation. That's why a lot of sharks really weren't too sad that they didn't have the opportunity or they chose not to invest in Ring because their shares were diluted so much because they had to keep raising money. Same situation here or somewhat of a similar parallel, both tech companies. And in this case, depending on how the stock is doing, it's going to convert into more or less shares and it's going to have a greater or lesser impact based on that. And it'll be interesting to see you know, a lot, this scared off a lot of investors. Again, it went down 22.88% in a single day last week, which again, that's that's a big dip. And again, they're still way down, was it 85% from their original IPO? And part of the precarious, troublesome thing with EV companies is, I can't help but think a lot of them are propped up by false hopes in terms of everyone has the FOMO, the fear of missing out. because. Every company, every investment firm, every person keeps kicking themselves for not buying Tesla stock, including myself. Jeez Louise, what could have been? I don't know, another joke for another time about investing, but it's one of those things where Tesla went against all odds and they succeeded pretty much better than any automotive company in terms of public evaluation, their stock. And a lot of people are saying, man, I wish I could invest in that because again, if you did, you could have retired by now. So every time there's a new EV company, they keep thinking it could be the next Tesla. That's what everyone keeps saying. And unfortunately, the downside is that's how you get BS companies propped up like Nikola, which ended up to be all vaporware in terms of they pretended to be a hydrogen based trucking company. Turned out they had no intellectual property. Their founder, Trevor, Trevor, I forget that SOB's name, unfortunately, at the moment, his last name. But he was actually, I think he's successfully prosecuted for fraud. Trevor something. Nevertheless, there's just so much fear of missing out. It'll be interesting to see how many people have, how many people really have confidence in these companies based on 
concrete statistics, concrete evidence of them coming out with current product. I mean, in terms of EV startups, Rivian's ahead of the game in terms of they actually made a product, which just that in and of itself is a huge achievement because so many companies don't even make it that far. So they're getting products that are on the streets and they had, in terms of like having a recall, they have, they've had one major recall or a recall that affected the whole fleet. I believe it's just because there's a loose nut. Um, and that's not put on Washington, D.C., politics later in the show. But they haven't had anything that's too detrimental. And nowadays, most automotive companies have a lot of recalls and people are more forgiving than they used to be, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see, how does this affect your perception of Rivian? Are you still a fan of the company? Another issue is, these EV companies, another reason why I prefer three pedals and an electrical combustion engine, my car can be fixed by Bob down the street, or myself if I were to be so inclined to dust off the manual. But with an EV vehicle, if Rivian goes out of business, who supports your vehicle? No one. It's locked down. You can't plug in your computer and actually diagnose it and fix it. It's all locked in, proprietary, just like an iPhone. And equally as disposable, I would argue as well, if there's life cycle management. So that's another issue I don't think people are thinking about in terms of long-term ownership. That's another risk that people are taking on when you're having a newer company like Rivian. So does that affect your decision if you were to purchase this vehicle? Or like me, if you were to buy a truck, would you want the one truck in North America that still comes with three pedals? The Toyota Tacoma. Can't believe, it's so sad that all other trucking companies have acquiesced to having two pedals. How boring, how sad. Again, a very rare fun experience. I implore everyone to buy something with three pedals if they can financially do so and enjoy that experience while they can. Or vote differently. We'll see what happens. Time, as I would say, shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have General Motors stock hitting a three-year low last week as of, because of, partially because of more recalls, which the fact that they haven't hired Arnold Schwarzenegger to make a parody of Total Recall where there's just a logo of General Motors is beyond me. Perhaps I'll use that for a thumbnail for the individual clip of this. But for how many recalls GM has had throughout the years, they certainly deserve a trophy for it. I know they, they already have all the trophies from JD Power. They have a whole warehouse, I'm sure, in Detroit with all the JD Power awards they've gotten throughout the years. Some might say I'm just a little bitter because GM killed the Corvette in terms of the new Corvette only has two pedals, even though 19 to 23% of the last generation Corvette were people enjoying it with a stick shift, a manual transmission as every good car has. For literally decades, since 1956, the Chevy Corvette had a V8 and a stick shift. Mary Barra, what are you thinking? But nevertheless, GM, uh, they decided to make the new Corvette with two pedals, and they're even gonna make it with a EV drivetrain as well. I part of me just died a little inside. Again, it's it's a sad, sad state of things at GM. It's one of those things where if you want to make an EV sports car, okay, do that. But why are they doing this to the Corvette? Is it similar to Ford bastardizing the Mustang name with the Ford Mustang E-Mock? Which, again, the only thing Mustang about that is them stealing the logo and slapping on there. But nevertheless, in terms of their stock and their recalls, it looks like the stock fell 4.3% last week to $29.72 per share. And this is following a report that at least 20 million other vehicles were constructed with potentially dangerous airbags. Jeez Louise. And this is also a downside of automotive communities. You have hundreds and thousands of suppliers that you work with. Because most of the components, with the exception of Tesla, 
they don't make them themselves. So like when you buy a GM vehicle, more often than not, they do make the engine, they make the transmission, the body panels, the frame, but a lot of stuff, especially electronics, they actually farm out. So that's why when you see like an airbag recall, like Tata a couple years back, it affected pretty much every brand in the automotive community, which is why it's interesting this affected their stock so much where, again, this is a airbag recall, which GM is not making airbags. Oh, dear God, I can only, ma I can only imagine the type of vehicle if GM made the airbag, how would you trust your life to that vehicle? I would say most people would say certainly not. But interestingly enough, it looks like this one is 20 million units. Jeez Louise. And it's fascinating with the UAW strike going on where they're demanding 40% raise. Well, I guess now they've acquiesced to, uh, I believe they're, what, 30% 30, 30 raises in addition to a bunch of things that subsequently was a contributing factor to why GM went bankrupt in 2009. Same with Chrysler. Ford, by skinning their teeth, did not go bankrupt, partially because of very uh, very fortunate timing on the loan that they took out before the 2008 recession. Now, of all the arguments for people saying CEOs and executives are overpriced, they always compare it to the salaries and the wage earners of the average employees, which, again, is apples to oranges comparison. It's a completely different job, completely different hours, completely different responsibilities, different acumen. You can't compare it. If you want to talk about executive pay, I would say one of the good indicators that if you wanted to justify it for yay or nay would be the stock price. Where I would actually argue GM CEO Jim Farley is underpaid considering how well Ford has done with their stock price the past three years under his leadership as a CEO. He was previously the Ford president. Now with GM, I think if you could probably argue she might be overpaid because their stock past five years, it has not been great. It's been, I think it went up or down by like not even 2%. So not even consistent gains in the market. Now, it looks like for this recall, they said that a number of the vehicles affected by the airbag issue have been previously disclosed and make GM among the most exposed in a push by US auto safety regulators to recall 52 million airbag inflators designed by Tennessee-based automotive supplier, ARC Automotive, this according to unnamed sources, citing in the report. So this is even, wow, this is even worse for American made too. It used to be with the Tata recall, I believe, it wasn't Japan. They were manufactured overseas and they're the very similar issue with the combustible cartridges. Cause when you have an airbag, you do of course have the actual bag, but then in order to have the bag inflate, you have the propellant. So very similar to like if you ever played with an airsoft toy when you were a child or a BB gun where you have the little CO2 cartridges. It's a very similar use case where they have those little cartridges in the vehicles and upon impact they discharge to inflate the bag and bag inflates to protect you. Now it looks like the inflators have been known to explode with too much force during a vehicle crash and send metal shrapnel flying through the vehicle's interior. At least two people have died as a result of this issue and several others have been injured. So perhaps that is why there's a little bit more I mean, stock drop than usual for General Motors. That's quite a number of units that are going to be affected by this. And unfortunately, it's already been detrimental and there's already been, already been loss of life. So it's even worse. And I'm very sorry to hear that happen to them. It'll be interesting to see. Actually, how many of you would buy GM stock right now? In terms of if you look at stock prices and the automotive community, I mean, Ford... To Ford and GM's credit, they do pay dividends. That is 
you look at companies these days, it's kind of a hit or miss, I'd say. It's not extremely common, but it is an upside to purchasing those companies because it gives you an incentive to not sell the stock. And it's basically them rewarding you for being a shareholder. So to GM and Ford's credit, they do pay dividends, but if you had to invest in one automotive company, you have $100 you wanna put in the stock market, who would you choose? Would you choose Ford or General Motors or Stellantis? which now the parent company Chrysler, where they are, I think the bigger, I think the article said it was mainly due to this recall. I think the other issue is the ongoing contract negotiations with the UAW, which they're dealing with the president, Sean Fain, who is a very politically charged individual. And the UAW members elected him to do what he's doing. But it's also one of those precarious relationships with like a divorce attorney, where that person, they're very incentivized to cause conflict. And no matter what happens, the price of their labor is going to go up exponentially. Even though the price for them is already the most expensive in the industry, Tesla has a lower labor cost. Their vehicles are actually cheaper than the average price sold in the U.S., astonishingly enough. And the quality is better. Except, again, it's going to say long-term reliability. Let's throw that out the window because, again, it's an EV, basically disposable. But where would you put your money? Do you think this is going to be, this is really going, is this really the issue that's causing people to sell their GM stock? Or are they just continually worried about Mary Barrow's idea to transition the company to be an EV company? Which, that's a big risk. Their GM, I would say GM is one of the best V8 manufacturers on the planet. They do it quite exceptionally well. I mean, the heart of the Corvette for decades. Controversial, I know when they first invented the Corvette, they actually had it with a straight six. Can't imagine that. Oh, I will shudder in disgust thinking if they had never moved away from that. But GM made a great V8 and they used to make great stick shifts as well. The Cadillac CTS-V is phenomenal. I had the privilege of driving one of my friends a little while back and it is a feat of engineering and quality. But that is somewhat of an outlier. I know most people, when GM by volume of units sold, it's usually the Chevy Malibu is one of the most popular vehicles. But what would you purchase? Did a big, it's a big risk going to EVs. That's not the core competency. They have made the Chevy Bolt in great units of sold. So they're getting there, but they're moving away from what they do best to something where Tesla's the industry leader, bar none. So it's a completely different thing. I think that's the real reason more people are worried of the stock because again, that's a huge risk. And the government's also pushed them to do that as well via de facto ban on V8s with the tailpipe emission standards, which are precariously, audaciously, just arbitrarily raised to the ceiling in terms of regulations. The only way to hit those numbers is to have your fleet with EVs in it. So they kind of be pushed in that direction as well. Let me know, do you think they'll survive the transition? Mary Barra wants to be, have Cadillac be full EV by 2030, and she wants GM the full fleet to be full EV by 2035, which sounds far away, but in in business, fiscal quarters, they go by quick. And some of these factories, some of these engineering ideas, they take years to actually perfect. So it'll be interesting to see, but for my three cents, I can't help but think that's the more the, that's probably the bigger reason the stock is dropping so much because of all the uncertainty. And they're, again, they're moving to a different business product, which they haven't, they're not yet known for being an industry leader for. It'll be interesting to see, out of curiosity, let me know in the comments, where would you put your money? Yeah, you got a hundred bucks? Where are you going to throw in the stock market if it has to be an automotive company? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the 
culture part of the podcast, you have Disney serving showing leftist politics have caused permanent damage to the brand. This according to a Rasputin poll. Now, this is thanks to the sleuth reporting at the Daily Wire, which they claim to be the fastest growing conservative media company headquartered out in Nashville, Tennessee, prominently known pretty much for Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, I think being the top, yeah, you know, Jeremy Boring. Those are the top personalities that people usually see on social media that have probably the biggest contributing factor of why they've grown so much. Now, it looks like according to this report, the poll finds that more than 60% of Republicans view Disney unfavorably. And remember, in the United States, you know, presidential elections are won by thin margins. It's about 50-50 in terms of Democrats and Republicans. I know there's independents as well. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, just kind of how the game is set up, the odds of the independent candidate ever getting where is pretty slim, to say the least. Now, this article noted that of the, just over 60% of Republicans have an unfavorable opinion of Disney, including 35 who say they have a very unfavorable opinion. Wow. Now, interestingly enough, in terms of will this affect their market share and how much Disney makes, you have the inverse with Democrats. Now, it looks like for Democrats, the result was pretty much exactly the opposite. 61% of Democrats view Disney favorability and just 29% unfavorability. So, interestingly enough, I wonder how much this will do in the long run. Now, it looks like, let's see here. In March 2022, another poll conducted as Disney was in the middle of the high-profile fight with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis found the company in a very similar poor position. Republicans viewed Disney with nearly identical margin, 29% favorable, 64% unfavorable. The result for Democrats was 58% favorable and 29% unfavorable. Also closely mirrored to what they found last week's survey. This was days after Bob, CEO Bob Chapek publicly chastised DeSantis for targeting the LGBT community. Then, I was going to say, not correction, I actually just uh, misread that. It was then CEO, because Bob Chapek is no longer the CEO. Bob Iger came back to be the CEO of Disney. And ironically enough, when he first came back to Disney, he said, oh yeah, we're going to get out of politics, get out, we're going to go back to being good old Disney, not controversial. And then, of course, they proceeded to lose about $2 billion on movies, which, again, this is a company that used to print money for a living, basically. I mean, it is astonishing how much Disney has changed. Growing up, again, I was a very unusual growing up, I was still, as a child, interested and fascinated by business trends and business in general. They used to be considered a blue chip stock, as close to a sure bet as you could possibly get. You knew you weren't going to get rich overnight. It was just a consistent stock that would grow over time. I mean, usually tech stocks, especially, you kind of have ups and downs. You're seeing this with Rivian and Lucid, with even Black Rifle Coffee. A lot of these companies, they're a lot more precarious. There's a lot more of a roller coaster. You have ups and downs. Disney was pretty consistent about going up. And then they decided to get into politics, which, again, you're going to gain, go to the political spectrum. you got leftists, you got extreme right, left, middle. If you're going after that new audience of going more on the very left, you're going to get that audience. That's going to be maybe newer customers, but at the same time, you're alienating those on the right and the middle. Because there are some people who just don't want to have politics injected into their films. They just want to enjoy some entertainment. So it'll be interesting to see, but more and more of these polls are coming out. And they're continuing to lean into the meme, as some might say, or in this case, lean into the trend. Now, it also noted that Disney has also highlighted this week by Glad, which I say D minus for advertising, because 
it just sounds like happy. Like it, I don't know what that means. If you don't, if you're not into politics, you don't know what that, what that means at all. But it is an acronym, so they do get a little bit of retribution because I find acronyms fascinating. Now, GLAD is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Now, it looks like Disney was highlighted for including them, for including LGBT content into a 41% of its films in 2022, making it the second most LGBTQ inclusive studio, only behind Netflix. Which, again, they're making children material more often than not. Which is why I think the United States, it's culturally speaking, it's very it's a hot debate on when to introduce children to sexual themes and orientations. A lot of people say it's not appropriate at all. A lot of people say that's a parental discussion. That's why you shouldn't be pushing it into schools with indoctrination. And it is a controversial thing whether people like it or not. It's a it's a cultural debate. So by doing it, you're inherently going to alienate some of your audience. It's not zero percent. And I would say as this has become a political issue you're going to alienate about 50% of your audience. Which, again, depending on what you do for a living, that's a very, very imprudent business decision. If you're someone who is like a water company or you're making a product that everyone should be able to enjoy, like an old, like an old-fashioned Disney film, ideally, the, that's for the whole audience. You're going for the whole market. If you're someone like The Daily Wire or Black Rifle, Black Rifle Coffee, where you're going for your politically oriented company, you're going more for the right side of the political aisle, well, then it makes sense for you to cover topics with that in mind and you have type, those types of framing devices and have those types of conversations. That makes sense. Like the Daily Wire is a politically based media company. It makes sense for them to talk about politics. But Disney, like, there was no reason for them to lean into this. There's no reason for them, there's no reason at all to actually have these things in children's films and animation it but by doing so they're alienating some of the market and their stock has rewarded them accordingly which again stocks are very precarious in terms of they change on a, I was about to say the daily a minute basis but let's look up disney stock which again it used to be a blue chip stock as stable as i was about to say what's stable in the united states as stable as the value of lead or ammo it usually goes up over time if stored properly as well. Although again, not financial advice. Now, looking at the one year trend, right, let's do the five year, wow. <laughs> wow, so five year trend, and again, this is, this might be, well, as soon as I, as soon as I publish this, it's gonna be, the numbers are gonna be a little different, but nevertheless, five year trend, they're down 26.35%. The core of the stock is gone. In the past year, it's down 12.84%. Got the year to date down 6%. In the past six months, it's down 17.73%. Of course, it wouldn't be American. It wouldn't be 17.76%. It's been a long time since they taught patriotism at Disney, needless to say. In the past, let's see here. In the past month, they are up 1.67%. That's some gains. <laughs> Not really, but you know. It is better than negative. In terms of like their 52-week high, their stock was $118 per share. 52-week low, $78 per share. And we look at the finances of the company. Let me see here. A gal another Gallup poll. But before we do that, look at the finances and the fiscal results of the company. Their media is terrible. Now, 
they're making a profit thanks to the Disney theme parks, especially overseas. They're exceedingly popular. In the United States, I have no idea how Americans could afford to spend four to seven grand of those tickets and whole experience. I was very, very fortunate as a child. We had a family member who actually worked. I believe Alberto was a, he actually worked at a ticket counter and he's able to get us friends and family discount and we were able to stay with our family so we didn't have to pay the hotel. But even then, our family had to grind it out and really save for that unique experience. Nowadays, the cost has ballooned so much and the value you get, especially if you go to Disneyland right now, you have full-grown men and of course, they don't suit up as all men should. You have full-grown men at Disney in women's dresses, selling dresses to little girls, which again is a political, cultural topic of discussion and controversy that many people don't want their children to see, thereby again injecting politics and controversy into something that used to be for everyone. So there's lots of people going to parts of the United States. Their media in the United States, again, movies are losing about $2 billion collectively, and the streaming services, Disney Plus, is still not profitable, which is pathetic to say in and of itself because just think of how much vast intellectual property Disney has. Quite a bit, yes. Pretty much most of the things that make people smile or happy throughout their lives, all that media was basically invented by Disney. They even went out and they bought Marvel and Lucasfilms. And yet they still can't make a profit on Disney Plus? That's almost impossible an impressive amount of ineptitudes. And I understand when it comes to startups, and again, Disney Plus is a new initiative for them, it takes some time to get those things off the ground and to get to profitability, but given the vast amount of resources they have in terms of all that content, it's fascinating to see they still can't get to profitability. So it'll be interesting to see if they change their content in terms of making it less political, but I don't think they will given the trends and Again, their actions speak infinitely louder than words. In fact, a wise old saying used to be, your actions speak so great, I cannot even hear what you say. Now, in terms of more polls, it looks like a Gallup poll released last week found that nearly 80% of Americans think companies should avoid politics in general. That's up 52% the prior year before. Now, they also break it down and say that only 37% of Americans think businesses should take on a public stance on LGBT um issues which again depending on, depending on what the company is doing may or may not make sense if you're a biomedical company thinking of a new um therapy or new treatment for a specific disease that may very well make sense if you make pillows for a living why the hell would you ever get involved in politics is beyond me again rest in peace my pillow mike has lost a lot of market share unfortunately and that, I would also argue that is his personal opinion. But nevertheless, when it comes to actually like, the product and what you're putting on the product, what you're involving, I think a lot of Americans are kind of fed up with it. They want to go back to, remember, even sports balls games used to be uncontroversial. You know, you have things injected into that. Nowadays, every two seconds, you get a commercial on the ball screen. You get all that injected there. I think a lot of people are just sick of it. They want to unplug. They just want to have fun, enjoy it. A simple film or a simple cartoon. I don't think... I think less and less people are really politically inclined. Let me know in the comments, what's your feedback? Are you kind of fed up with all these companies taking stances and kind of awkwardly injecting political ideologies into things where it certainly doesn't make, make even make sense? I mean, I'm not too surprised that Disney is just continuing to eviscerate market share and alienate more and more of your customers. Perhaps the only question is, is the demographic of the new customer sub-base they're going after is that going to increase great enough or at a rate fast enough 
to make up for the people they're alienating. Which, that'll be an interesting thing to see if it does, but right now, some might argue this belongs in the business plan of the day, but it's sort of a long-term thing, and right now, Bud Light has the trophy for the business blunder of the century. It'll be interesting to see if Disney can catch up, though. Time, as I always say, shall tell. Other interesting culture news, you have a Bud Light Red River tweet ratioed in seconds. And, of course, 89.8% of people still prefer anything but Bud Light. Not too surprised. Next, of course, thanks to our poll with Rich Money. Let me see here. Or Mooney, rather. Pronunciations is something that eludes me every once in a while. Now, in terms of the tweet that Bud Light attempted to make, and again, I believe we've thought of nine things that Bud Light could be used for, because again, Bud Light, the only way they're having any social media success in terms of not having more negative comments than positive is having the Bud Light sweepstakes where you could win a case of Bud Light, which people always ask, like, you know, they have that old cliche saying someone could be a winner and a loser at the same time. That's the perfect embodiment of that metaphor. If you win a case of Bud Light, you technically won it. But it's a good example of how you can be a winner and lose at the same time. And I've thought of nine legitimate use cases for the Bud Light. Thanks to someone in the comments, I greatly appreciated. We came up with a tenth. You actually could. And again, sometimes depending on where you live, you have water outages. Sometimes construction workers accidentally hit a pipe and there's no water. But you still need to do things like flush your toilet. So traditionally, you would go to the big box market, you buy gallon jugs of water, you fill it up the reservoir in your toilet, so you flush it, the water will replace it. However, being cheaper than water, and a better use case for it, you can actually use Bud Light for that very same instance. Again, disclaimer, I'm not a plumber. It might be so toxic and the taste so bad, the fumes in the bathroom might cause irreversible, probably irreversible brain damage. I was gonna say, I dare not experiment in that result. But let me know in the comments, would you want me to come up with a video? It, again, it would take some time, but 100 new use cases for Bud Light. Again, it, it would take many man hours to come up with that list, but I'd be willing to do it for you, the fans. Now, going back to the specific tweet from the Bud Light, they say, quote, Red River Rivalry Weekend only comes once a year. Remember that, unquote. Which begs the question, Red River, I thought was a drink and a bar. So what does the Google say it is? I, it surely has to do with sport balls. They're certainly not sponsoring anything interesting these days. So Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry, commonly, commonly referred to, again, I'm certainly no doctor for the Mayo Clinic. However, I have a theory. If you click the subscribe button, it may cure my stutter. Again, it's not 100% fixed. It may just be temporary. It might just help a little bit. But... It's never been tried before, and it could very well may work. Click that button, and together we will see if we could somehow cure that here and now, or eventually. Now, going back to the Wikipedia, it says the Red River Showdown is the rivalry is commonly referred to as the Red River Shootout, or alternatively, the Red River Rivalry or Red River Showdown. It looks like it's the Oklahoma-Texas football rivalry and a college football rivalry between the border rivals, Texas-Oklahoma, First played each other in 1900. That's quite, quite a long rivalry. Looks like it's, what is it? University of Texas versus Oklahoma University. Hmm, interestingly enough. Yeah, needless to say, when it comes to Bud Light sales figures, uh, when I'm at the big box mart, and I am in the best state in the union, I'm a little biased there, Texas, 
there is plenty of supply and not so much demand, at least when I walk past the aisle. Now, again, this is a big company. Lots of people follow Bud Light, mostly for entertainment, but 43.3 thousand people saw that. So that's, that's pretty good reach. Not to brag, but I did have 18 people saw my tweet last week. Humble brag. Although I would say quantity over, I would say quality over quantity. They're the best 18 people in the world, presumably. Probably, most likely. Now, of the 43,500 people who saw this Bud Light tweet, how many do you think, how many, how many liked it? Maybe one, three, maybe a couple thousand. I mean, 43,500, that is, that's quite a bit. 136 people liked the tweet, which means not even the people working at Bud Light went on the Twitter to like it, or the X, whatever you want to call it, social media app these days. Now, I know public schools are all-time low, especially for mathematics, partially because they're too busy teaching orientational things. So we're going to do a little bit of fun math here today. So you got 136 likes divided by 43,500. That gives us a number of 0.003126. Now, to turn it into a percentage, we multiply that times 100. That percentage means 0.3126% of people saw that tweet, liked it. We have now performed more mathematics than some public schools, which is saying something. Now, that means basically no one liked it. Now, let's go to the comments. I wonder, the real question is, are the real comments and are they positive? I would say the odds are Probably not so much, but we shall dive in and check it out. Now, someone appears, this might be a real person. We'll have to do some sleuthing right here, right now. Mr. Kool-Aid Poppy. This person says, Red River Shootout. Which, talk about, that's not very original in terms of a response. They're just saying what it is. But two people did like it. Now, Mr. Kool-Aid Poppy. Okay, that's just... There's something about an adult man getting a custom sports balls jerseys with a made-up name on the back of it. I'm not going to say F for marketing because it does get the point across. I know you have a silly name. Although, I would say no, no, we're going to change it back to an F. Not a single picture of the Kool-Aid man or a Kool-Aid product. False advertisement to say the least. Now, this person does have 571 followers. Not to brag, but I have 238 of the best followers ever far none again quality over quantity and it looks like this person reposts something for texas football texas will never be back let's go phillies what all right so he's not he's certainly not a texan his bio says europe so he looks to be yeah he looks real no one He's getting a lot of, a lot of posted no likes. Not to brag, but last week I did get two likes on my tweet. Maybe even three by now. You never know. I might have to check that. So he looks to be real. All right. Looks to be a sports balls fan. Now, his response to Bud Light got two likes. What else is there? This can't be real. Someone named John B. says, quote, just, ba just got back again. Not a doctor, but click the subscribe button. It may cure my stuttering. 
as I try to slow down and enunciate more and more, appreciate the comments and the feedback, that might also be a fix as well. We don't know, but it, it can't hurt to try, so I'm saying. Mr. John B. says, quote, just got back from the liquor store with a case of Bud Light. I'm set, unquote. This can't be a real person. This person got two lights. We need, we got to dig, right? Let's dig right in. All right, Mr. John B. Let's look at his profile right now. He's got 67 followers. All right. Looks like he mainly posts Wordle, which I'm told is a social media app. Lord knows there's too many already. He has a po He does have an original thought. Well, perhaps not original thought, original tweet. I don't know if he actually thought of this himself. He says, quote, in his defense, Ramaswamy did not expect to be called out for his blatant lie. It looks like it is an article to the Huffington Post, which I don't know how mentally vacuous he is in terms of trying to get his point across. He doesn't tell the statement or lie he's referring to. It's just a picture of Vivek, which, again, that's not getting your point across. I don't know what you're talking about. So he gets an F for marketing. Um, again, he... Oh, no, okay. He's so he doesn't tell you what it is. He wants you to click the link to the Huffington Post. Does this guy work there? Another one of him pejoratively insulting Elon Musk with another post to the Huffington Post. He tweeted a GIF of the Bud Light cans clicking saying cheers. I didn't even know that GIF existed for the 18 people who demanded it. But apparently that is a real GIF, or as a youth might probably say, GIF. Let's see here. He has a post praising Biden. Uh, a lot of wordle, a lot of wordle. So it does look, mental capacity aside, this person is real, oddly enough. And, okay, so we have two real positive comments in the Bud Light post thus far. I'm That's already exceeded my expectations of how many positive real responses I thought they would get. Now, someone by the name of Railroad Mercenary, that might be a fascinating career to say in and of itself. When's the last time you heard about an old-timey railroad robbery, yet alone a mercenary? I'm already intrigued, and I appreciate that interesting username, by Mr. Railroad Mercenary. He says, quote, you don't care about football bros, remember? Unquote. He got 51 likes. That's quite a, that's quite a lot of likes, which is a good point. Again, Bud Light brilliantly hired Alyssa Heiderschild, who was their lead marketing, the VP of marketing, I believe. Very proud on LinkedIn. She says she was the first woman VP of marketing for Anna Bush. And she will be the first one to be, never be forgotten, ever. She'll be written down in every, well, every legitimate business book for the next couple decades or centuries. She'll be known as the biggest business blunder of the century. Because again, she was the brainchild who thought, hmm, Bud Light. We've been the top-selling beer every month for 20 years. We've been the top-selling beer of the year for about 20 years as well. What should we do? You know what? I think we have a fratty image, even though here's a picture of her drinking beer out of a prophylactic device. And you know what? We're going to hire Dill Mulvaney, a very controversial figure, a trans activist, someone who celebrated 365 days of womanhood by many would say pejoratively putting on a woman face and doing stereotypical activities and actually bizarre activities like dressing up in high heels and prancing through the woods, which I did consult my female family members. Women do not do that. But... Dylan Mulvaney claimed they did. And they got a special can with Dylan's face plastered on it, gave it to Dylan, who again, 
Dylan's average audience, when you look at TikTok, is about 15 years old. And Bud Light goes, that's our new spokesperson. And their sales just crashed about 30%. Fiscal Q2, they lost $400 million in sales compared to the same fiscal quarter last year. And every week, their sales are down by about 30% by sales and 20 to 26 to 27% by volume. Needless to say, that is a business blunder of the century. Fascinating how the CEO is still gainfully employed. Brendan Whitworth, former CIA operative, his job is somehow still secure. Now, that's why he's saying you don't care about football bros, because she said they're too fratty. Interesting business decision. Now, it looks like Mr. our friend Mr. Rich, Rich, or is it, uh, oh, where did his post go? Rich, oh yeah, Rich Mooney said, quote, responding to at 10 Barrel Brewing, recently sold, i.e. freed, by Anheuser-Busch, is openly celebrating no longer being affiliated with the woke Belgian company, unquote. And he actually did a picture, and there actually is an article that goes to that individual company by name of Tan Barrel Brewing, which Anheuser-Busch and Bev recently spun off. They purchased the company years back, and now that they're bleeding funds, they sold off, I believe, eight now of their craft brew brands as they try to focus on the remnants of the business. And don't get me wrong, they're not going out of business tomorrow. Even though their sales for the specific Bud Light brand are down 30%, they still have 70% of sales. And of course, the other brands, such as Budweiser, that's about 10% down in sales. And then, then Michelob Ultra, I believe, is on average about 4% down in sales. So again, they own like 40 brands total. So their stock has dropped about, what is it, $26 billion? And their sales are dropping, but they're not going to go out of business yet. And yes, they are based in Belgium in Bev. Though they do make great waffles and rifles and pistols in Belgium. Go FN Herstel. Now let's see what other kind of responses we have. Let's see here. AD. Let's see. Oh yeah, his his uh, Mr. Rich's good old his poll says Bud Light says they want us back, albeit not enough to address the marketing disaster with their customers. What will you have? The two options being one. I love Bud Light too. Bud Light, no way. And of course, of the 200, was it 201 votes that were cast, you have. Well, I was going to say, I need, a little, need more props, maybe a little mini drum roll set. But nevertheless, 89.8% of people still prefer anything but Bud Light, which is still better than what it was a couple months ago when it was still in the 90th percentile. Although, that being said, perhaps it's changing because Bud Light has been banning accounts left and right. I can only see this account through, interestingly enough, the show's profile. So at the topping show, I can see Bud Light, but at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G, on my personal profile, they blocked it because I had the audacity to actually post a case of Yaling saying, thanks for a reminder, Bud Light, I just bought some Yaling for my podcast, interview podcast, for the guests to enjoy. They thought that was pejorative, then they, they banned me for that hat. Really? Ridiculous. What other comments do we have in here? Mr. Eric James said, quote, I used to drink Bud Light when I watched football, just wasn't down with the whole movement that involves confusing and manipulating young kids, unquote. Person got 10 likes out of 207 views. Miss Lady Agartha says, quote, but boycotting your awful LGBMICKEY mouse beer comes every single day, unquote, getting 35 likes and a moderate appreciation for a pun. That is pretty, eh, that's pretty clever, yeah, because Disney is 
their new de target demographic is the LGBT community. So she's kind of mixing the two together with the Mickey Mouse, which is the iconic face of Disney. I appreciate a good pun or a little mixture of words there. That's pretty good. Let me see here. Someone by the name of Heddle says, the day we ask for fire? What? Is this a real person? Can't be. We shall investigate right now. So Heddle looks like she has 13.1 thousand followers. Quite a bit. Let's see. Ooh. She's reposting. Got some cat memes. A dog dancing. Okay. Captain America, cats, bees, a gif of a dog. So even though they, this person today not get any likes for that statement, it appears to be a real person. Interesting. Someone by the name of Eat at Jones claims or says, quote, a round of Bud Lights for my friends, unquote. Which that would be, that would actually be one of the best hilarious gestures of like friendship if you're at a bar and so says you're with the guys and you go yeah next next round's on me and you go oh yeah I'll, let me buy everyone a bud light you have the idea of trying to be generous because you're trying to buy some beer but all the guys immediately would be like oh no 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 thanks dear god no so the thought was there but you know they're not going to take you up on that offer now interestingly enough my anecdotal experience recently had a sports balls event for prospective clients from my it company we had about 20 folks in the sports box not a single person ordered a Bud Light product. Interestingly enough, the intern, well, again, I was going to say, I'm much more interested behind the business of sports balls teams, and I was very much more interested in the business talk than the actual talk, event on the field. I was fascinated to see the real winner in the room in terms of the beverage people chose more often than not is Shiner, which is a great Texas-based beer. It was not Bud Light. And I suspect that sales trajectory not, won't turn out anytime soon. Let's see. Someone by the name of Bob Brooks says, quote, I will remember to never drink your horrible tasting and political beer ever again, unquote. Got 21 likes. Oh, this is good. So Mr. Let's see here. Rich Mooney said, quote, Bud Light, the beer that tastes like water, but with less flavor and more calories, hashtag not my beer. And he actually did like a Microsoft Bing chat. So Bing AI wrote that. Not bad. Good bot. So. Wow. Yeah. Cheers to Bing, which is, you know, just Microsoft. Now he actually wrote to them saying, can you write a funny tweet making fun of Bud Light? And Bing said, quote, excuse me. I Sure, I can write a funny tweet making fun of Bud Light. How about this? Bud Light, the beer that tastes like water, but with less flavor and more calories. Now that got five likes. A lot of people saying, still not drinking it, still not drinking it. Isn't cheering for football teams too fratty for your brand? Mr. Mullet Man Handy Savage. Interesting name. This person says, quote, do I have to get a sex change to drink your product? Unquote. Person got four likes. Mr. S.M. Samega said, quote, I used to drink Bud Light, but I'm not a tranny now. So now I drink Coors. Unquote. First got 12 likes. Although, interestingly enough, if you look at the events these companies are all sponsoring, Coors, I believe, still does sponsor LGBTQ events. So, again, I don't know. 
I don't know if they're sponsoring drag shows. That's a more recent phenomenon in terms of marketing and advertising. Because Bud Light sponsored uh, gay pride parades for decades, like literally about 30 years, I believe. But it's only the past two or three years that people are starting to notice these new events with newer, newer corporate sponsorships. A little ADHD thought there. Mr. Frank Boot Girl said, quote, Oh, remember, all right, unquote. Got 13 likes. Oh, Mr. Derek Mesker with a profile picture of Yangling, which I appreciate, says, quote, tuck your sack back, unquote. Got 20 likes. So I'm trying to see. I'd say, what? Oh, there's a lot of gifts. Now let's, have, let's have some, let's see here. I'm not seeing a lot of real positive ones. Now, we go to the fun part, the hidden responses, the ones that Bud Light really doesn't want you to see. Let's see here. Someone actually just has a picture of cases of Bud Light, and they have, I don't want to say they get a D- for marketing, but it looks like it's rudimentary in terms of they just took printer paper and a little Sharpie. But nevertheless, the idea is, you can't cross. They simply had a little picture of paper or a little paper pasted onto the Bud Light cases calling it tranny fluid they got 10 likes of course no one can see this unless you click that button that says show hidden responses let's see here one has a photoshop picture of what is it George Floyd the officer on top of George Floyd only it's Dill Mulvaney on top of the can of Bud Light I got nine likes before Bud Light censored it. Ah, the classic picture of Lister Hydrochild standing over the grave, the meme where you had the gentleman standing over the grave doing the peace sign. Only they photoshopped his face off and put Lister Hydrochild's face on because it's her idea. And the tombstone says Anheuser Bush, 1876 to 2023. That got seven likes. And so it did the same thing. It looks like. I'm trying to think of how to say this appropriately well you have a picture of someone who had top surgery and it says bud light the surgery that makes cutting off your private parts seem like a good idea and there's many of those that are it's just the same thing again 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 usually get into six to twelve likes many of the list of higher child on the on the grave let's see here needless to say many things i dare not describe <laughs> Uh, some of them with the pride parade where you have naked men in front of children that looks like Bud Light is sponsoring. Let's see here. Oh yeah, Alyssa Hirschild with a meme saying two Friday for me, bro. I got several likes. Needless to say, when it comes to Bud Light on the Twitter sphere, they were eventually ratioed, as the youth might say. Now let me know in the comments, do you think will they ever stop? trying with social media. For months, they actually went without tweeting at all. And I've yet to see a tweet that's really positively received, especially when it's specifically Bud Light in their handle. You see the same thing with Anheuser-Busch when they use their Twitter handle, and same with Budweiser, though not to this great of an extent. Similar to their sales, the sales that have hit the most is a specific brand, Bud Light, just with the social media, that's the ones that are getting roasted the most. So interestingly enough, do you think it'll ever slow down or stop? And then would you ever buy a Bud Light? And what would you do if you won a case of Bud Light? You have all the, they have all these sweepstakes and they're spending more money than ever before on marketing to, in a futile attempt to win back consumers. 
similar to a bad relationship where you have a husband or wife you come home from making a mistake and they just want to give you flowers or jewelry without actually apologizing for what they did thereby making that token or gift just a futile bribe uh, what would you do if you want a case of Bud Light? Previously, we said how we could use it to fill up your toilet. Thanks to a comments section, we had that idea. I previously thought that you can use it for ballast if you were to have a hot air balloon. Although, if you were actually have it as ballast as a hot air balloon and you cut it off to have the balloon go up higher, the Bud Light hitting someone in the head would debatably be less severe for their health than ingesting the product. So that was our ninth idea, or perhaps tenth. What? I'm just thinking off the cuff here, moderately, pun moderately intended. What, what would I do if I want a case of Bud Light? So many things you could do with it. I think I previously said I could use it to fix the roads in America because the roads are built so poorly and they just basically disintegrate after a couple uses. I would, so you could you know, lay down the aluminum cans, maybe you could use them for public roads. What else could you possibly use it for? Well, it is aluminum, they're infinitely recyclable. You can melt it down and turn it into car parts or rifle parts. What else could you do with that liquid? Hmm. If you want a case of Bud Light. Uh, it may be so abrasive, you could use it to clean chrome, very similar to Coca-Cola, though that's mainly due to the phosphoric acid, I believe, where you can actually use Coca-Cola to clean chrome bumpers. It's not well, more than recommended, it's kind of sticky. But because that acid, you can actually use it as a cleaning agent. So maybe you could do that with Bud Light, but I got this guy, I got a kernel of an idea. What, what legitimate thing could you do with Bud Light? You use it as a doorstop, of course. It's pretty heavy. Could use it, hmm, Bud Light. What, what would you do if you won a case of Bud Light beer? See, it's cheaper than water, so it's not worth it's not worth a lot. Mm. You could perhaps donate it to a museum. I would be fascinated to see a specific business museum where they could actually put a whole display of Bud Light and use it as the business blunder of the century. We, I think that's that might be a good use case. Donate it to a museum as a use case for what not to do in marketing. I believe that is our 11th use case of what we could do if we want a case of Bud Light beer. And again, let me know if you want me to do a top 100. It would take, dear God, it would take a lot of energy to think of 100 legitimate re things you could possibly do with the substance, but it might be moderately entertaining. So let me know, it'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy inviting a protester to come inside and speak. That gets 1.6 million views in eight hours, which is fantastically great in terms of, as youth might say, going viral. And I also would argue the best way to change minds and hearts is conversation, which is why I always am critical of the United Auto Workers censoring all of their live streams. Best way, and most of their videos on the YouTube. If you want to win hearts and minds, have a go back and forth discussion. It can be a little energy intense. It can take some time, but that might be a way to win more people over. That's why I never censor my comments. They're always open. With the only ironic time when they were censored is when YouTube, I made a video talking about YouTube censorship. That video in and of itself, YouTube overrode my decision and they actually shut down comments completely. The other two times when I was talking about Bud Light shutting down comments on Twitter and another video lambasting Bud Light as well. Fascinatingly enough. Now, 
When it comes to the specific tweet, this comes from Mr. Colin Rugg on the Twitter, or the X. Interesting note, let me know in the comments. In your social media sphere, do you ever, when talking to friends and family, do you call it Twitter still, or do you call it X? I can't help but think we all just kind of still call it Twitter, even though I know it probably makes Elon die a little bit inside. But at the end of the day, marketing is very, it's a very interesting thing, and people are kind of set in their ways when it comes to the identity and the knowing of Twitter. But nevertheless, this from, comes from Colin Rugg, and he says before the video, quote, Vivek Ramaswamy invites a protester who kept shouting outside of his event inside. After confronting him, the student kept making excuses for why he couldn't come in. All oh, my stuff is out there. It's raining. Um, I actually told I can bring signs. All bark and no bite. Brilliant move by hashtag Vivek Ramaswamy. And as a reporting, actually, it's actually up to 4.5 million views. So without too much further ado, and I do appreciate all the comments and the feedbacks and the suggestions. I'm trying to find a software that does good picture-in-picture -picture production so that we can actually show these clips, ideally, you know, somewhere over there. And that would give you more visual representation, make the show a little bit more entertaining. I tried XSplit last week, and I don't know if I just need more drivers for the camera because the camera's a little bit newer, but it would only do one or the other. And it would only show the screen or the computer screen. It wouldn't actually show the camera. And sure, I know most people in the comments might say, well, that's infinitely better than looking at you. But nevertheless, my goal is to try to have at least both things on the screen at once. So if you have suggestions, I greatly appreciate the feedback. So without further ado, shall play this little video here. Why don't I let the gentleman outside in? He seems like he really wants to come on in. Let me go. I'll go, go, I'll, I'll go get him. Yeah, I'll get him. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. What's your name? Can I get the door? Can I get the door? I don't mean, I didn't mean to. What's your name? No, I didn't. I was just gonna invite you in. I didn't expect them to come. What's your name? My name is Gabe. And are you a student here? I am. We actually spoke. We I did? Remember, yeah, I answered the gun question. Before. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Would you like to come in and join us? Because I know you've been vo very vocal yeah. for this. Will um, I come in? You're welcome. You don't have to, you don't. All my stuff is out here and it's about to rain. Yeah, you, bring it on in. You don't have to be, I just wanted you to know that you don't, you don't have to be outside. You're allowed in. Okay, um, I was actually told that I couldn't bring signs in before. Well, so. you know what? I'll have something to do with that. So you can bring in signs if you want, but who needs the signs when you have your own voice? Come on in and William, give you a chance to ask a question just like everybody else. Does that work for you? Because we've been hearing you from outside, but we might as well... I'm glad, I'm <laughs> I thought if we're going to hear you from outside, we might as well hear you inside. So come on in, man. <laughs> come on, we'll give you a hand. I'll give you a hand. Thank you. Oh, actually, the, the strap is on. There you go. There you go. Adam. Is that your water? Good. Yeah, yeah, this is all mine. Here, I'm used to carrying equipment. Come on in. Oh, we'll carry your water for you. Oh, Come on in. Pun intended. There, there you go. Um, yeah. All right. Hi, Mike. Come on in. Hey, Gabe. Join us. What year are you? I'm a sophomore. You're a sophomore? Yes. Okay, good. Good. We don't... I've been, I've been outside of rooms I've tried to get into before. That's been frustrating, yeah. so, you know, we... Fascinating. So it's also one of the fascinating things where you would never see another politician do this in terms of I have yet to see someone, even a political figure, someone like a Ben Shapiro, you see them doing that a lot, but usually on the opposite of the political aisle, you don't see that. Quite the antithesis, you see the opposite, you see them violently protesting something as simple as Ben Shapiro visiting a college campus to give a speech. And again, I always think 
the open conversation of ideas, that's how you win hearts and minds. That's when you can really change people's minds, you get to learn their perspective. Man, at the end of the day, I think that's what's best for our country. I mean, you, every American used to believe that I might not agree with what you're saying, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. It is quite concerning that most Americans no longer believe in that and are embracing disgusting, draconian, morally vacuous things such as censorship. Now, in terms of the comments and the feedbacks, you even have someone like Elon Musk chiming in. Elon responded saying, good move, quote unquote, and he got 7,795 likes out of about a quarter of a million views. You also have Colin Rugg responding to it. We have a gif of two dogs spiking, uh, barking, and there's a little fence and barrier between them. And as soon as someone removes the fence, the dogs kind of stop yelling at each other and kind of just chill. And that got 5,000 likes. Let's look at the other top comments. You have someone by the name of Paul Hookum saying, quote, Love him or hate him, Vivek is amazing at disarming his dissenters in a way I'm not sure we've seen, unquote. Person got 4,482 likes. Quite popular tweet. Someone named Western Lensman said, quote, It's all fun and games until someone calls your bluff, unquote. And they do include a emoji of a clown face and a laughy face. Now this person gets 1,763 likes. Now, interestingly enough, you do have some pejorative um, or kind of going against the grain responses as well. Someone by the name of the LFB said, quote, This is as fake as his claim that a protester rammed into his car. It's as fake as his campaign, unquote. He got 55 likes. And someone responded saying, I'm leaning, I'm leaning into this with you, getting 18 likes. Although I'm not seeing them present any evidence in the Twitter chain. Interesting. You have someone by the name of Deborah Palmer saying, quote, I'm impressed. I've never seen any candidate do this. He's smart, kindness instead of arguments. I was impressed with the last presidential debate. Also, kudos. And she did include a thumbs up emoji, a fire emoji, an American flag emoji, and a heart on fire emoji, which, interestingly enough, I was depending on you interpret it, it might be a bad thing, but apparently this is a good thing, like very loving. Perhaps sometimes emojis elude me. I can't help but wonder what on earth they're teaching public schools these days. How far society has fallen if you actually have to have a class talking about emojis, which another topic for another time, perhaps. Now she did get 61 likes for that tweet response. Other top responses, you have someone by the name of Penny Lane, who, I want to say F for marketing, but the, her profile picture is not of the Beatles. So, a little disappointing there. Fun little band or musician pun, if you are a fan of the Beatles. Now, she says, quote, got to give Vivek credit, very impressive way to handle opposition, unquote. She got 271 likes. Let's see here. A lot of people saying it's brilliant, great way to disarm your opponents, great way to change minds. Some by name of Glenda. And she says, quote, Vivek, by all accounts, seems to be a pretty stand-up guy, unquote. She got 273 likes. A lot of advertisements popping up annoyingly. Some by name of Dom Lucier, breaker of narratives, said, quote, class act move, I can't even lie, unquote. He got 423 likes. 
It's quite the achievement. Not to brag, but I did get three likes on my tweet last week. Yeah, and I see T-O-P-P-I-N-G. Mr. Misha Featon says, quote, this, is a, this was a masterclass on how to win friends and influence people. Good job by Vivek, unquote, getting 491 likes. Let's see here. So it looks like the only pejorative... Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the only negative responses I see are some people with a theory that it was set up. But again, I don't see any immediate supporting evidence. I'd have to do some extra research. They didn't actually include any evidence in the response, which, again, would have been a more prudent decision if you actually want to change people's minds. So overall, I'd say... And I'm scrolling... Yeah, I'd say about 95% positive. Uh, yeah, I'd say about 95% positive responses from this tweet. And then interestingly enough, how are you, I can't imagine how most people have handled that situation. Do you think that's a prudent decision? And interestingly enough, do you think it'd be a good idea to actually bring those people on stage? I know some people do that, like Ben Shapiro, like they're not politicians, they're political commentators. But do you think politicians should use that technique to allow them the opportunity to speak and actually address their concerns and perhaps not just change their mind, but change their followers' minds? That might be an interesting political strategy, a political move on the chessboard, so to say. And it's something we really see this, you know, wind back the clock a couple of decades when individuals didn't have these types of platforms and social media influences where I mean, back in the day, the only real interaction you'd see with politicians, regular people, would be when they're flipping pancakes for something, trying to do a fundraiser, or when you have those cliches, boring as hell, TV opportunities where they have someone with a pre-screened question. They go, "Mr. President, how would you fix A, Y, Z?" And it's just they had, they knew the question was coming, so it's kind of boring. It's kind of easy to vet those out. It's not really changing someone's mind who's on the opposition. Really, at most, you're changing someone's mind who's in the middle. I would say. So do you think this would be, in terms of the evolution or some say the de-evolution or the, the downfall, it's interesting, I would, say it's an, I would say it's a change in politics. Do you think that might be a new interesting trend and do you think it'd be an effective way to perhaps win the hearts and minds of more prospective voters during this upcoming election? As we see, fascinating thing in politics is there are many variables and there are very many politically, a lot of political tools you can use in your arsenal. And technology certainly is one of them, as these instances show. Do you think this technique will be a fruitful one? And will more politicians and prospective politicians copy it? Be fascinated to hear and see what you have to say. Other interesting political news. You have a Chris Christie hope tweet inspires many of Trump supporters. A lot of Trump supporters are inspired by him. <laughs> because, again, when it comes to social media, Chris Christie, there are supporters, but... We will do a breakdown in the comments section. They are not very popular. I, and I mean that by quantity in terms of you see the responses. Now, Chris Christie sent out a video, and perhaps you're grateful we do not have picture-in-picture picture since it is uh, not very easy to digest for the eyes, to say the least. Now, he has a little statement before his video. His statement says, quote, Vote for the person who gives you hope. Who doesn't play to your fears, but plays to your dreams. Who doesn't play to your anger, but plays to your aspirations. We need a president who makes us feel good about tomorrow. That's the type of president I'll be. 
chip in $1 today to keep me in the fight and make that happen, unquote. And I was going to say, we'll break down the statement shortly, but his little video here is, he's a presidential nominee. Didn't even have, it blows my mind. Some of the most important moments of your life when you're running to become president wasn't even fashionably prudent enough to suit up as every man should. I suppose he's wearing a button-up, so that's something, but really, you can't suit up. Every man should always, just by default. But nevertheless, I shall play the video. The biggest thing I said over is vote for the person who gives you hope. Who doesn't play your fears? Who plays to your dreams? Who doesn't play to your anger? Who plays to your aspirations? At 18, man, life is nothing but tomorrows. Nothing but tomorrows. It's great. I like. I wish that I knew what I see what I know now. Man, I wouldn't have worried about half the stuff I worried about. Right? It's all about tomorrows. Ronald Reagan was the guy I voted for because he 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 made me feel good about what my tomorrow That's what I'd say. So not very great with social media. Usually, it doesn't really help much to actually do a transcription or just transcribe what you're seeing in the video. Usually, again, when I'm seeing those viral things on the social media, it's usually, you know, they actually give something additional to the video instead of just being copy-paste. And hilariously enough, he says, who doesn't play to your anger, who doesn't play to your fears, a lot of what he's tweeting about recently, you know, past couple of months, it's all pejoratively about Trump saying how evil he is, how angry he's making everyone, how, how I mean, how he's going to be terrible for the country. It, 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 he's doing those things. Like, just following him on social media, that's all he talks about. And there are people in the Republican Party who will never vote for Trump. He is getting the support right now when it comes to the primaries. There are those people that are casting their votes for Christie because he's capturing that vote share. Is that enough to win the primary? I don't think those numbers are there, which begs the question what his goals are. But, yeah, he's saying, I wonder. And for him, this actually did moderately good on social media. His Pinnacle, in terms of his best, I believe got about, I think did chip in at about a million views when he came up with the unoriginal idea of calling Donald Trump Donald Duck. Now, most of his posts usually get between 25 and 50,000 views. This got 179,000 views in 24 hours. Now, I wonder, how many of them support him? Let's dive in and find out. Now, the first response from Joe, though it is a female, she says, quote, you aren't wrong, but you aren't the person for the job because you tried to help reelect the very person you're saying we shouldn't vote for. No way to square that, Chris, unquote. She got 79 likes. Let's see here. Someone by the name of Robert Hamzen says, hashtag gov hefty cream, unquote, which I'd be, I suppose that's a pejorative pun on his weight. That got 15 likes. Somebody named Stacy Phillips said, quote, I don't want anyone who plays to anything. It's not surprising you have zero idea how much we despise you playing to our emotions. You're a politician. Trump was effective on the border, the economy, foreign relations. I can't name a single thing you have done. Can you? Unquote. She got 228 likes. 
That's quite a bit. Although, astonishingly enough, Chris Christie got 1,638 likes. Which, that's quite a, that's quite a lot, actually, for, uh, for one of his posts. Someone by the name of Penny Lane says, quote, Thank you for reminding me to give to the Trump campaign. She got 102 likes. Someone named the Salty Vet said, quote, You gotta lay off Taco Tuesday, brah. Unquote. That person got 14 likes. Which, again, he is a... He, his physique is quite large. So it's... It is mainly calling it the elephant in the room. Or a more, perhaps, political appropriate thing would be the rhino in the room. Which is a pejorative name for Republican in, in name only. For Republicans, Democrats who pretend to be Republicans. But it's one of those things where he helped out Obama a lot. And uh, I don't think a lot of Republicans are forgetting that. And these comments are kind of supporting that theory. Now, are there any supporting him? Uh, let's see here. Someone, someone literally just says, Dude, stop. Well, when I say someone, I believe this is a gal. Says, her name is SC Gal. They got 10 likes. Although her name is SC Gal, but... It's a picture of a couple, like a man and a woman. It's not a seagull. C minus for marketing. Someone by the name of Mariana says, quote, can we chip donuts? Unquote. Got 15 likes. Someone by the name of Nanny Minute said, quote, let's not forget Bridgegate was the hope you were offering. Unquote. Got 21 likes. Oh, Wow. Somebody by the name of David J says, quote, if we all just chip in a dollar a day, people, we can keep Krispy Kreme Christie fed with all the donuts he wants, unquote, with a laughing emoji. He got 23 likes. Somebody by the name of Mark Pointer just sang out a gif of Porky the Pig and with the text being, I am too fat, getting seven likes. Many people laughing to that response. Is that the same person? Okay, so the same person, Mark Pointier, did another gif of Porky the Pig. So a lot of people just literally saying, I don't believe you. Mac Sweaty. Interesting name. This person says, quote, you only give McDonald's hope, unquote. Getting eight likes. Mr. Ray Sloth says, quote, that would be Donald Trump, unquote. Getting 11 likes. And that was not a response to the previous response. That was directly to Chris Christie's statement. Someone by the name of Stacey Phillips says, quote, Hey, can you give us an idea of how many more presidential campaign cycles you're going to do the, quote, look at me, I'm a candidate, give me money thing? We know that you know you aren't a serious candidate, never were, and are in this for the campaign funds. You grift. Thanks. Unquote. She got 111 likes. Or sorry, I undercounted that. 112 likes. Someone by the name of Alpha Project says, quote, I would rather not donate $1. I know what we spent in restaurant and greasy food. I hope he will be okay. The person got 16 likes. Someone by the name of Doug says, quote, Who dresses you? I wouldn't give you 10 cents. I really wish you would just go away, unquote. The person got 42 likes. There are many, pe uh, many people doing gifts uh, saying they, they would support Donald Trump. Someone literally just has a picture of Trump, or it's a hashtag, the statement is hashtag MAGA, and there's a picture of Trump hanging out with some celebrities, giving thumbs up and hanging out. 
a lot of uh, unsightly pictures of Chris Christie in pants, which, yeah, that's, yeah, let's see here, William Sky. William Sky, let's see, says, quote, as I will take away your freedom, close beaches to the public beach that I alone can lay on, unquote, got 16 likes. So needless to say, as the youth might say, this person was visually ratioed. And Chris Christie continues to give inspiration to Trump fans. So it's one of those fascinating things where it's certainly not working on social media. Now, the big debate, of course, is what's the correlation between social media activity and the actual votes for primary voters? That's kind of where the tires will hit the pavement. Let me know in the comments, what do you think will be the result of this? And will Chris Christie, will he be the first one to drop out? He's certainly one of the lower ones lower in the polls. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have MGM cybersecurity incident. The costs have come in and the costs are around $100 million. Now the third quarter cybersecurity attack, which MGM Resorts revealed last month, it said it had been contained and will cost about $100 million. The losses will appear in the adjusted property EBITDAR for the Las Vegas Strip Resorts and Regional Operations. This according to MGM Resorts. This noted that during the incident, some guests were temporarily locked out of rooms, electronic bookings were disabled, parts of some of the casinos were closed off, some of the machines were shut down, and it gets even worse. Some of the hackers actually obtained sensitive consumer data, including names, date of birth, driver's license, passports, social media numbers, and also, more importantly, social security numbers. Now, it looks like MGM did follow the FBI guidance and refused to pay the ransom to their credit. Which, of course, is what is the not just the moral thing to do, but the prudent business decision to do. Because, of course, as any hacker would tell you, if you pay the ransom, you just gave a big signal that says, not only am I good for your business, you being a hacker, or specifically an unethical hacker, it's one of those things where you have just shown the world you're willing to pay for that, and they will go after you with double the effort. Also, usually more often than that, they're still in your environment. So even though they give you the key for that specific piece of ransomware, they're just going to ramp up something else. So not the prudent business decision to actually just pay it because, again, it's going to happen again and again and again, which is why when you see a lot of these articles about cybersecurity incidents, a lot of the times you're seeing the same victims. You're just seeing the same businesses that are getting attacked again and again because they keep paying. So and also one of the biggest things, if you're in IT, test your backups of your data. And if you're not in IT, just a simple idea is if you have your smartphone, you have pictures on it, save your pictures to the cloud, but also save it to a USB drive or put on an external hard drive. It's as simple as that. So when your phone gets infected, you don't care if it's locked, you just get a new phone and you have your pictures on that hard drive, get it there. Very simple analogy to try to put into a kind of an everyday life example. Now, it looks like that, quote, while the company experienced impacts in the to occupancy due to the availability of bookings to the company's website and mobile applications, it was mostly contained to the month of September which was 88% compared to 93% a prior year before. So that's good. It doesn't look like it was too detrimental in terms of, heaven forbid, if it was like a 50% drop in attendance, that'd be, again, that'd be a huge fiscal impact bigger than the one we're seeing here. Now, they, they continue to say, quote, MGM Re Resorts said, quote, the company is further forecasting occupancy at 96, 93% in October, compared to 94% in the prior year period, and to fully rebound in November for the Las Vegas Strip Resorts, unquote. So it looks like, thankfully, they've been able to contain the situation and they're back up on their feet. 
Now, hopefully they bolster their IT cybersecurity practice as well as their, in this case, social, social, I was gonna say security awareness training. Again, I'm no doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it may, I'm not, yeah, no guarantee, but it may fix my stuttering. Just a little experiment I think we could try out together. Now, in this case with MGM, it appears that they've gotten all their ducks in a row. And hopefully, again, one of the biggest issues with cybersecurity is the human error is very prevalent. And in this case, with the current data we have, it's all stemmed from someone actually, a malicious actor looked on LinkedIn. They noticed this specific person worked at the MGM. They called the MGM help desk, said, hey, I'm that person, give me credentials. So it's one of those things where security awareness is key and social engineering is a real threat that you need to mitigate and you need to train all employees for, not just the people who are in IT. So hopefully they roll out those trainings, they get some extra cybersecurity tools as well and they're not hit again but again when you have such a business that is dedicated and is built upon it nowadays casinos are basically a giant data center with how, how many cameras they have all the analytics they're running to have such a company dependent on it have a security incident that actually shuts down their ability to make a living and again a hundred million dollars just vanished that's how much money they lost to this incident that certainly has to be the business blunder of the day Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. I know it's ambitious, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, the comments are greatly appreciated, even if it's a critique. I appreciate that because that's how I want to make the show better and better together. Also, a like click does help the channel out as well. And apparently with the YouTube algorithm, perhaps that'll help the videos get shared more and more. But also equally as important, don't forget to please take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.